Hey there, everyone. Thanks for listening to LJN Radio and joining us for our podcast, You Do What? I'm Tim Muma, and here we check out a variety of non-traditional jobs, whether maybe they're a bit odd or just seem more fun than the average profession. Either way, we're letting you know that you have plenty of options when looking to make a career for yourself. Now, in the United States, there are over 15,000 golf courses, and let's be honest, the majority of us aren't all that great. That means plenty of golf balls are sliced, hooked, shanked. Every other kind of errant shot goes into the water hazard now and then. That's where today's guest comes into play. His name is Forrest Rothschild, founder and partner at Water Dog Golf in Connecticut. One of his duties, the lead diver to retrieve all those errant shots sitting at the bottom of lakes and ponds across the country, mainly on the East Coast in their case. Uh, Forrest, thanks a lot for coming on the show today. Thank you. Uh, absolute pleasure to be here. And uh, let's see if we can find out a little bit more or share a little bit more about finding those lost golf balls. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely an interesting and kind of intriguing idea. And uh, as I think I had mentioned something to you that uh, obviously there's a need for it, and that's what you guys are hoping to fill. I guess first and foremost, really, what was it that drove you into this this idea, this profession? I guess, how did it all start for you? Well, excellent question. Um, a lot of people that have scuba dived in the past or play golf often think, oh, I can just go get my balls uh, if they hit that shot that goes off and is lost. A little bit about how I got to it is that my background was actually hotel and restaurant management hmm. for a better part of 15 years. And having always worked nights and weekends and getting those three o'clock in the morning phone calls of, oh, the coffee maker isn't working or somebody didn't show up for a shift or having a team of 300 people underneath me, well, it just made for long, <laughs> endless nights and weekends. Right. And after um, going on honeymoon 10 years ago um, and falling in love with scuba diving, I was like, wow, is there a way that I could actually make a living being in the water? Hmm. So the reality is, is there are many professional scuba diving instructors around the country and in the world and a lot of people will tell you that, unfortunately, it will pay for your hobby, but not necessarily for your mortgage. And I was like, I had to see if there's a way that I could do more. I wasn't afraid of the hard work and maybe change, taking a change. Mm -hmm. But when I started looking around at opportunities and industries and things that you could do in the water, yes, obviously commercial diving, like oil rigs and offshore stuff is very much a possibility. You can get a degree in engineering and maybe work for a public works department doing bridge inspection and things like that. Mm -hmm. But having done my time at school, I wasn't ready to go back, do another four years and take out more student loans. And somewhere along the way, I saw an article about golf ball diving. And I was like, you know, I've seen this before. How do people get into this? So I started searching online and trying to find typical searches, golf ball diver or recycle balls or stuff like that. And I was really surprised at how little or how well organized information was out there. Sure. So I started reaching out to a variety of companies and not knowing what the scale of this industry was and learning that very quickly, this is a fragmented industry. This is a business that a lot of people kind of do on their side because they almost feel like it's their own little gold mine or their own little secret to like, oh, I can do this pretty well. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't large scale. It wasn't kind of on a corporate or on in a level of professionalism that I was used to having worked in past careers. So I just had to keep keep researching and starting with a small list of courses. And in year one, honestly, I was only able to convince eight courses to let a random 
stranger show up <laughs> and service the accounts. But what's impressive, and again, back to almost that people being afraid to let people know what they did, mm-hmm. I kind of started going public with this. Um, I was very fortunate. The domain golfballdiving.com was available. Can't get much more st- straightforward right. than that. Yeah, that's a good way to promote it. <laughs> so I started doing, I had the website and I started putting stuff out there and trying to let people know that there can be profession professionalism in this. There can be people that are accountable and responsible that check in with the course, let them know, respect that people are playing the course or that are also paying to be there and that we're not just going to come in here, steal the balls and not have accountability. And now we've actually grown. We were doing just the retrieval. Now we actually do what is a much larger part of the whole industry of recycled golf balls. And that gets into the retail perspective. Right. So we have divers. We have people that go out that collect the balls. We also have now the facility, which is now we had the golf ball diving side, but we now have the recycled facility, which is known as Water Dog Golf. And that's where we're able to take millions of balls every year and process them, clean them, and have them available for retail and resale to big chains around the country online and to, through our retail store. And it all stemmed from, geez, I just don't want to work nights weekends <laughs> anymore. And the fact that when you're in the water, they can't bother you. You don't get those phone calls. So it, it's definitely a change of pace from what I was used to doing. But what I like about this is that this is a job that if you were willing to put the effort in, it is an amazing direct reflection to what your paycheck is at the end of the week. So how that comes into play is a typical course in the north, say, produces 10,000 balls a year. If a diver is able to work that course two to three times a year, so they're pulling up 3,000 balls. Divers can make anywhere from eight to 10 cents, but we'll just use 10 cents as just a base number for simple math. So if they pull 3,000 balls, that means they're making $300 a day. Now, they are independent contractors. They do have to their time and gas and effort to get there. But you do this five days a week, it's $1,500 a week or the equivalent of 75000 a year, which really isn't a bad little job that doesn't take necessarily a lot of effort, just as much effort as you want to put into it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not going to get into the, everybody's individual salaries, but as a business that was growing, we were grossing a quarter million dollars a year in just collecting golf balls. Right. And that was before we turned it over to the retail uh, aspect. And so when people say, oh, the golden days of golf ball collection is over, I, I actually opt to disagree. I think it's, again, it's, I'm finding it harder to find those quality divers that will put that time and effort in mm-hmm. and that are motivated to do a full day's work. And because of that, People may not always be making as much, but we've had divers that have pulled 10,000 plus balls a day. My personal best was at a course down in mid-Atlantic area where I pulled over 26,000 balls in a single day. Wow. And and that was all by hand. This is not mechanized, Mm -hmm. but you do it with support. You do it with help. I cannot say that I was able to do that entirely by myself, meaning that while I was the one in the water, I had shore support. 
but it is the business of averages. Well, I'd love to say that was the standard. Unfortunately, there are the days where you only make a hundred bucks or two hundred bucks, mm-hmm. and you're you're barely covering your gas from getting from point A to point B when you do a lot of traveling. And so that's where the challenge comes in: is finding yourself a solid concentration that you can stay local. One of the favorite people that I work with a lot are police and fire department personnel because they will often do like twenty-four hour on and like seventy-two hours off. Right, right. And so on their off days. They pick up a day or two working at a local course, and if they're able to hit some of the good courses, they're making three to five hundred dollars a day on their day off and getting to spend it in the water. <laughs> now the courses are gorgeous. Unfortunately, the ponds aren't always, so it can make for a interesting work environment. You know, the one question that comes, I'm sure a lot of listeners, but myself included, is okay. Why are courses? wanting people to come in and get those golf balls and basically then you're able to, you know, sell them elsewhere and make money off of, of their golf balls. You know, and it's not theirs. Obviously the people are hitting the balls into the water, but I guess what, what is the purpose of them actually hiring people like yourself to get the balls out of there when they're not necessarily getting anything back from them? You're not selling these balls back to them or giving them back to them, correct? Actually, that's, um, it's a great question to bring up. A lot of courses do get compensated. Okay. And that gets back to the reputability of the businesses that are out there or the agencies that do this. Sure. So one of the big things that Waterdog Golf prided itself when we were going to take this to that next level, some companies say they will pay a course within 90 days. Now you're in kind of typical business credit kind of standing. We service a course and generally pay them within two weeks. Okay. It's a time frame for the divers to get the balls back to the warehouse, for the warehouse to verify the account, and then we just send a check. We don't want to be in a holding situation. We want the, the courses to know that if you work with us, we're going to pay you nearly as fast as we can and as almost immediately as possible. And so what used to be a process of courses hiring divers to keep the balls, then the courses would have to clean the balls and then try to repackage and resell them the evolution has become more that companies like ours will actually pay the courses for the rights to dive their course. Gotcha. Now, the course, in exchange, they have several options. They can take a percentage of the balls, but again, they have to do all the, the cleaning and prepping to have these balls available. Or what we do is we come to a pre-negotiated rate where, say, we pay them $0.10 cents a ball for everything that comes out, and if they want, that can go to credit toward the whole warehouse of product that we have available for them to sell. So we have from mint to ABC grade quality, the store line, the high-end balls to the low-end economy range, you name it. So what we do is we try to make it as fair and equitable for all parties. We realize that the balls are going to be there, but if they're going to give us the permission to be on the course and we're going to make some money, we want to make sure that the course makes some money at this also. Sure. So it's very important for us that we do as transparent of a transaction as possible. So we use the advantages of modern technology. We use our smartphones. We take pictures of the inventory. We email them credit memos and documentation to let them know that this is all part of how we want you to know that we're keeping you as in loop as much as possible. This is what pulled because sometimes our divers are there like 10, 12 hours a day and the people that they checked in with in the morning may not be there. But by that night, they'll receive an email with the pictures of what was pulled, whoever they checked out with, 
and and of course they had to clean up after themselves and make sure that everything was um, left better than they first arrived. Well, I mean, you've definitely given us a lot of information and, and you know, kind of a, a pretty good picture of what's going on on a typical uh, day for, for somebody who is diving for these golf balls. But what sort? I mean, are there risks, are there dangers involved with being in, you know, you mentioned the water is not going to be crystal clear. Uh, if you're talking in Florida, maybe there's some other dangers or risks. I mean, what kind of things do divers uh, maybe come across that either for yourself has occurred or maybe uh, you know, other people that you've talked with? Well, um, I have gone south in the past. And in years past, I was down in the South Carolina and Georgia area. And the fact is, when you start getting below the Mason-Dixon line, you do have some other creatures that you have to be aware of, <laughs> and those are gators. You can find all sorts of fantastic stories on the internet about golf ball divers being attacked by gators and people dying from doing this. <laughs> the reality is, I actually, of talking to people that have been doing this for generations, I don't know of a single person who has actually been like catastrophically injured okay. by a gator. <laughs> it's one of those things that tends to get blown up and to the joys of the internet and stuff like that, just, right. just exaggerated to the nth degree. But it is a factor and it's how you handle it. So the guys from the South know what the conditions are like. They know when mating season is, when the aggravated when gators are tending to be more aggravated. They have little safety protocols that they kind of go through from noise to surface support, keeping an eye out. But the funny thing is you can get those guys that will swim with gators, but you ask them to come north where you'll have snapping turtles and say water moccasins, and they're like, oh no, I won't <laughs> go in those waters. Where I'm from the north, where to me, turtles and snakes, I'm like, oh, big deal. Right. But you won't get me in the Florida waters with gators. <laughs> Heck no. So People will have different fears um, and different challenges, but there are the marine life issue concerns, but there's also the physical concerns. Mm -hmm. Even though you're in the water, you're still on scuba, so you're on compressed gas. And so you have to be aware of the depth and your time, the safety factor that you are working underwater. You have to be scuba certified. I know people that are like, oh, well, I, I just kind of go down. We're at a time when with a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of safety equipment, you can exponentially increase your safety factors. It's not worth it to me to just be dangerous about it. Mm -hmm. Golf balls are going to be there. There's the, there's the physicality of getting in and out of the ponds. Sometimes the slopes are really steep. Sometimes the ponds are deep. Maybe there's rocks, trees, entanglements. Um, you can, you can still have weather factor because while in the South, the water will be fairly warm, depending on what you're wearing for thermal protection, you can actually overheat yourself hmm. in the North. You can have cold waters and you can go into hypothermia. There's contaminant issues. You figure for the decades that courses have been putting various, uh, pesticides and phosphates and various things on the course screens, those funnel down and wash into the water. Now, in the mid, in the water column, it may not be so bad. You might have marine life and stuff like that, but this job requires you to dig in the bottom. You're stirring that all up. So that gets into protective gear. I personally choose the dive in what they call as a dry suit, which means I'm basically fully encapsulated and am not exposed to any of the elements in the water. And there are people that dive wet, but again, it's a choice of awareness. 
I almost feel like the more that you're aware of what hazards can be in the water, the more you don't want to touch it at all. Um, we've seen thousands of geese on golf courses. All geese leave goose poo and that ends up in the water and then you get E. coli and just, uh, it, it's almost, it, it can be a little frightening when you think about what type of bacteria in the summer months, warm water, all of this that can build up. And if you're not cleaning your gear and taking care of yourself, the needless hazard that you are putting yourself in. So you can talk about the marine life. You can talk about the chemicals. You can talk about the physicality of being underwater, the bags of balls, while they're fairly light underwater, when you bring them up to the surface, now gravity kind of takes its effect again. So this is not an easy job. Um, and a lot of people that have gone scuba diving are like, oh, I like being in the water. And I love being in the water. I, I'll be the first to admit it. It's, it's even when on the weekends when I'm not diving for golf balls, I still scuba dive. But this is a work environment. This is a challenging work environment, but it can be very financially rewarding for those that put the effort in and are able to overcome these hurdles that we've discussed. Well, and I think a lot of the you know a lot of items you're mentioning when it comes to safety and some of the professional aspects, I think that's important for people to hear because I think there is that idea that it is uh, you know you just kind of run to the course, jump in the water, get what you need to do, get out. And it's it's sort of this, uh, you know, secret endeavor that you're working on. But clearly, uh, you guys have made an effort to make it a, a profession and truly in every sense of the word in the business side of things. So I think that's, I think it's good for individuals to hear that. And you did mention also that, you know, if you're willing to put the work in, it can be financially beneficial to you. It can be rewarding in a lot of aspects. When you're looking at someone who would be diving for golf balls, whether, it, you know, maybe you're hiring someone or, or a course might mm-hmm. be, I guess what what skills, what personality, what type of uh, individual are you really looking for in this regard? Uh, obviously, understanding they're going to need to, as you mentioned, be certified for scuba diving and that sort of issue. The certification is important just from basic equipment and safety. But there's something to be said about your ability to be isolated. Yes, you might have surface support, but you are now going into an environment that has zero visibility. You might see sudden stuff when you start, but once you get going, you stir up the bottom and you lose all sight. So you have to be able to be comfortable in what may seem like a very claustrophobic setting. You have to be able to trust your instincts on what you're feeling and what you're doing and have that comfort and confidence in yourself. So I certainly wouldn't want to say cowboys because I don't want to ever see anybody put themselves at risk, but somebody that has that can-do attitude. I'm willing to do the physical aspect of this. I I trust my equipment and I trust in my support crew to be there if I need them and know that every time that they touch a ball, that's money in their pocket. And so to be self-motivated, even when it's a cold day out, being self-motivated even when okay, where you thought the jackpot was going to be, it turns out it wasn't. So motivation and enthusiasm to continue to try, even on the down days, is probably only second to having the initial certification for qualities that I look for. I will do everything I can to support people in regards to 
here, this is what I've learned over the years. These are the spots to look for. If you don't see them here, look for here. This is how you start to read the terrain. Um, here's the history of the courses. Here's the like what to expect. But also understanding that, okay, sometimes we hit bad courses and maybe we don't keep those accounts. Maybe we move on and we look at why that account hasn't been successful, which leads to one other hazard that I really didn't talk about is that people that can sneak onto courses and steal the ball. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's also a reality of this business. So if they're willing to work hard, we'll work hard with them to make them successful. But they have to be able to get up every day and go and know that it is a, it's a taxing job um, on the body. But if you can deal with the isolation, and sometimes that may actually be rewarding, and many people have kind of gotten over it because there are like underwater headphones that you can wear and just listen to music, but know that you're not going to get bothered with phone calls. Know that you're not going to have people kind of stopping you all day long. And so for those that kind of enjoy the, sort of that isolation, but want to work a hard day, yeah, those are the characteristics I'm looking for, for somebody who wants to do this. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And as you mentioned, sort of that self-motivation piece and, and being in that isolated uh, situation would obviously be a factor when it comes to something like this. We are getting a little low on time, so I did want to kind of open up the last part here just to, to give you a little bit of the floor to let listeners know maybe if they're interested in getting involved or any other aspect of this this profession, this business that, hey, I mean, definitely could have some uh, future progress with it. What would you let the listeners know as far as any tips or general advice, uh, just sort of as a takeaway from from the show? As in anything in life, take pride in what you do. Present yourself professionally. Um, For whatever reason, a lot of times people have this negative connotation about golf ball retrievers. And this is an opportunity to actually almost build an industry or a field of employment that people aren't, that don't necessarily give a lot of attention to. And for those that want to get involved, they are more than welcome to reach out to us at any time. We have contractors that we work with all over the country. Even though we're headquartered in the Northeast, we have people out on the West Coast, down in Florida, all over. So just because they may not be in the immediate territory doesn't mean that they can't do this. I take calls and uh, mentor people all the time that want to get involved in this industry. And if they're wanting to work with us or work with a company that will support them, then they can contact us either at Waterdog Golf, which is our the parent company, and Golf Ball Diving is a service of Waterdog Golf, or through the website, through the website, through opportunities like this with um, doing interviews. But we want to share. We want people to know what the chances are and what they can do and what type of equipment is necessary. So whether um, they do their own research online or follow up on your website, which I think is, um, I appreciate this opportunity to talk to you guys. All they have to do is ask. We'll answer any questions they have. Well, we appreciate you coming on as well and sort of giving the, the inside scoop on this, uh, this business, this profession. Uh, unfortunately, we are going to have to wrap things up here today on You Do What? 
Uh, we've been filling you all in on the job of golf ball diving and the different aspects that come along with that. And clearly there's some serious business to be made with the collection of all those awful shots that people make on the links. Our expert guest has been Forrest Rothschild, the founder and partner at Water Dog Golf. Forrest, thanks again for bringing us your experience perspective on this unique job today. Thank you very much, guys. You have a wonderful day. Of course, we want to hear from you, the listeners, as well. So feel free to send us any comments or suggestions for any of our podcasts. Maybe it's a topic on landing a job or perhaps you're interested in another type of industry or profession. Just shoot us an email at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. You've been listening to LJN Radio. I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.